praise the Lord. Thy word, O God, is a lamp. It's a lamp. I don't know what we would do without the word of the Lord. Surely you think about the first century church, but they had the apostles. They didn't have a Bible yet, but they had the apostles. And what the apostles were preaching, they wrote down. And so we have what they were preaching. And even though we can't be, in, obviously, in the early church, we have that same word of God, that same word of God. And so we honor and we bless that God has given us his word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you would like to turn with me this morning, we'll be reading out of 1 Peter and then in the book of Colossians. I want to read just the 13th verse of 1 Peter, the first chapter, and the 13th verse. And therefore, girding up the loins of your mind, being sober, perfectly hope on the grace being brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. At the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to read, um, and we already did some reading this morning, but follow along with me. Second chapter of Colossians. And I just want to read this, this first ten verses because I'll go through it quick. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have concerning you and those in Laodicea, and as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be comforted, being joined together in love, and to all riches of the full assurance of the understanding, and to the full knowledge of the mystery of God, even of Father and of the Christ. Now, this next verse says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge. But literally in the Greek, it can be either way, in whom or in which. And so I just tend this morning to go in which, not in whom, but because speaking of the mystery, the mystery, the mystery of Father and of Christ, in which that mystery is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and of knowledge. And I say this, that in no way one may beguile you with persuasive words, for though I am indeed absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing and seeing your order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, having been rooted and built up in him and having been confirmed in the faith, even as you were taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Watch that there not be one robbing you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the elements of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the godness bodily. I took the liberty of changing that word. The Greek word kephali is not in the text. 
So it is not the Godhead. It's the Godness. The Theotetus. In him is all the Godness bodily. And then this last verse. And having been filled, you are in him. Who is the head of all rule and authority. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We just bless you. I I could sit down right now, and those words would just ring so clear, so true. We thank you, Lord. We're just going to try and expand a little bit on the text and encourage this morning. I pray that everyone here will just take courage in the Lord, take strength in your word. We ask the Lord to deal with each one of us in the word, we pray. As we preach it, I pray, give us, give us an anointing. Give us an elevated discourse this morning. And we'll bless you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And amen. I, I'm going to a subject that I have preached long and hard. And I was thinking about this today. As you all, most of you here early, sang, you know, happy birthday today being my birthday. Number 68. That's, that's a lot of them. Not as many as my dad. He's getting ready for 92. But you begin to reflect. When you get older, you, especially as, as, as leading, uh, you know, pastoring, trying to help and lead folks to the Lord, you look back at your, let's just say it this way, you look at the trail that you've left and, and kind of begin to evaluate kind of contemplate what did we leave did we accurately did we clearly leave a path for our children our children's children and now my children's children's children to follow and that includes all of us the same thing all of us the same thing have we have we cleared the path Have we made the way through the brush? There's a lot of religious brush out there. It's all around us. But there is one way. There is one path. There is one life. There is one truth. There's not many. And all paths do not lead to God. Just one path. Just one way. Jesus never said, I am many ways, everybody. Find one of them, and you'll end up at the same place. No, he never said that. He said, I am the way. So when I look back at this, I begin to contemplate about where we've been, about where we started, and about 25 years ago, and things begin to change. Some things begin to change in my, in my perspective, begin to change in my heart about what ministry is about, about what the scripture is about and uh, that was a result of of some some interest of of digging deeper into God's word just really to find out and and I think at that point I began to believe along with the apostles and what they preached this whole thing is about Jesus I, I think that's sort of begin to go over in my heart even though I didn't know where to go i was raised 
uh, in church and, and, you know, in the Christian faith, but not understanding that really everything is about him from the beginning of this thing to the end. He's the author of the beginner and, and then all the way through he is the finisher and, and so if we call this thing what God did, the human project, earth, creation, and whatever things that he put in place so that he might reveal himself to humanity, the human project, I believe it's about him. Can you say amen? And so that's where I've come all these years, and, and so it's just kind of reflecting on that. And secondly, what, 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 have I, what have I been, sort of, have I been an excellent pastor? And uh, I don't know the prototype of, of pastors, and so the, the Scripture doesn't really give us that. We've kind of invented that on our own. We know what a pastor is, and we think we know what he is. And, and have I been exact, so am I called into the order of the office of a pastor. I heard somebody the other day said they were in the office of a prophet. I didn't find that one in the Bible. It's in the office of a prophet. But, but really, each one of us, God designed something. If we're willing, He designed something for us to input into the kingdom. We're all ministering brethren one of another. Brethren. We... We all have a part. Um, everyone doesn't come up in front and teach because that's not the design of God. There are some, he calls some, and there are some apostles, right? There are some prophets. There are some evangelists. There are some teachers. There are some pastors. And so not knowing really what a, what a pastor should be except for what's handed to us from the tradition of what we think a pastor should be. My recollection of what a pastor should be goes back to Jesus on the bank of the, the Sea of Galilee saying to Peter, feed my sheep. I think this is the direct order, and look at that word, and that's where we get pastor from. A one who takes care of the sheep. And so Peter in his... I mean, he did a lot of things. He did a lot of things. I've done a lot of things. You all have done a lot of things. But the one thing that was laid on him was to feed the sheep. Now, I believe that every minister should do this one single thing. It doesn't matter what your calling in specific might be. In general, over everything else, Everyone that preaches the gospel, everyone that teaches the gospel, prophesies the gospel, evangelizes the gospel, and is apostolic. You have one main duty, and that is to reveal Jesus Christ. I never thought that way when I was younger. I didn't think that way. I thought you're ministering. You're out there laying hands on people, and you are... You are coming up with, you know, cool ideas for the church and just, just a lot of different little ins and outs of church stuff. And really, that's not our job at all. As ministers, we have one primary job, and that job is to reveal Jesus Christ. 
I've seen too many kids, I grew up with too many kids that went through the church experience and it looked like they had something and it sounded like they had something and, but they didn't stay with it because Jesus was never revealed in their life. Something we've tried to do, we've tried to do with our young people. Chris has done a really good job all these years and Rodney's taken up the mantle and, and the thing that we want to do with our young people is not entertain them, not give them good, fun, clean stuff to do because the world's got a lot of stuff. We're going to match that and give them good, clean, fun stuff to do. That's not why we are here. We are here to teach them the revelation of Jesus Christ. Because if they get that, they're not going anywhere. Or they might have a few mistakes in their life. They might have some challenges. They might have some difficulties that they have to get over. But they're not going anywhere if they get Christ in their life. Can you say amen? And so this, this, this is primary for us. And so I'm just going to kind of, I've got a review here this morning. I, I just, that's yeah, a thought. You have to stay with me. And you're here anyway. You can't leave. If you get up and leave, you know, I'll, I'll know it. See. So I'll kind of review some of the past findings. And we talked about the revelation of Jesus Christ a lot. And I want to talk about it some more in a little different direction. There is only one mystery of the scripture that we need to make known. Just one. That mystery of the scripture needs to be made manifest to the church. I would say generally speaking, the church does not understand the mystery. It remains a mystery. Let me tell you why. We want to figure out the book of Revelation. We want to figure out end times. We want to figure out all the stuff that's going on in the world and all the events. We want to figure out Israel. Israel is the people of God. You know, we want to figure them out. But there's one mystery that is imperative that the church gets right. Because if we don't, we will cease to exist as a church. We'll go through the order, we'll go through, through uh, you know, the, the, the framework of having services and, and doing the churchy thing. But if we don't get this right, we're going to miss everything spiritually. And so this is what we need to talk about. This mystery, what, what is a mystery? A mystery is just something in the scripture it's a little bit different, and I've talked about this before. It's, it's not something you can't know. It's something that is hidden. Everybody say hidden with me. So it's hidden. You just, you don't see it because it's hidden. It's not on surface level. If all of God's things were on surface level, nobody would have to study nothing. Nobody would have to divulge into the scripture. Nobody would have to try and find the mind of God and his purpose. In it. But the Lord never. Why did he speak in parables? So that hearing, they may not hear. So that seeing, they may not see. That's why he spoke in parables. Because it's to the hungry. It's to the thirsty. It's to that one who wants to seek out and search who God is. And there you, you find yourself indulged in finding who He is and finding the Scripture. And so the, the mystery that's hidden is 
And Peter says this for us. The mystery that's hidden to us is of Father and of the Christ. That's the hidden mystery. No, it isn't. Pastor, it's easy. It's easy. You've got Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You've got, you know, this whole triune. No, 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 no. No, it's, we're not going there. That's not a mystery. It's a mystery to me how you can believe that, and it's not in the Scripture. But the mystery is not a three-person God. The mystery is about Father and Christ. Mm. You can never exhaust. In the Scripture, you can never exhaust everything that God wants to show you in that mystery. A lot of Christians are bored, and that's why you have to come with a bunch of singing groups. You've got to entertain them, put on a bunch of things, and, and, and get everybody excited. They're bored with the mystery of God, and I'm not. I'm not bored. I hope you're not this morning bored with the mystery of God, because I want to know it closer and closer. I want to understand it more and more. It affects my life. It affects my spirit. It affects my day-to-day living. So let me start out with this mystery a little bit and qualify it a little bit. Jesus confirmed in John 8, God is my Father. Now I want to do something that I haven't really took the liberty to do before, but I want to do it this morning. I want to take the liberty to substitute the words Father and God because we know who it's referring to. And I want to replace them with the names he chose for the purposes of his own identity, Yahweh and Yeshua. So if I go back to John 8, deity is not my father. No. Yahweh is my father. So we've got to clear it. Brother Dustin and I talked about this the other night. And like I say, you can't exhaust it, but... Well, it was just deity out there. Just, no, no, no. No, specific. There is one God. Say amen. And this God calls himself in the Old Testament by the four-lettered word, Yahweh. And so I want to replace every, like we're referring to God here, and I want to replace this so, so it becomes a little more clear to us, Yahweh and Yahshua. Now, let me speak to the word Yahshua real quick, all right? Jesus is in every language. So, now, he's on the cross, and over him is, in, 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 uh, in Latin and in Greek and in Hebrew, his name, Jesus of Nazareth. So, in Hebrew... The name on the cross is Yeshua. In Latin, the name on the cross is what we would say Jesus. It's spelled that way. That's where we get it from. The English transferred it from the Latin, Jesus. In the Greek, it's on the cross, Iesus, which they sound the same when said. I mean, it's as close as the language can be. So if we say Jesus, it's okay. You didn't say Jesus. That's, that was on the cross. That's his name. It was Latin. And for us, you know, we understand that. 
Yeshua, I like using that Yeshua. It's, it's more the, the original. You kind of get the meaning a little bit more because you've got Yah and Shua. And this Yah is Yahweh has become Shua. Yahweh, our salvation, the one on the cross hanging right there with this name, Yeshua over him is God's salvation to the world. And then Jesus, we don't use that very much. In the Greek, they don't have the letter J, and so they get as close to it with the, with the I, and the I sounds sort of that way in the Greek. So he has this name, and I'm going to use Yeshua this morning. So if you, Jesus, Yeshua, either way, and, and I like to use Yeshua in this sermon because Yah, it connects with Yahweh. So I want to say this, is that the determining factors of eternal life abides in the mystery of Yahweh and Yahshua. Brother Rodney, the other night, preaching about salvation. The church has the wrong idea about salvation. Salvation is not a ticket to get to heaven. We're thinking of Disneyland. You buy the ticket, you get to the door, they let you in. That's how we're using salvation. Salvation has nothing to do with the entrance into heaven. Salvation does not qualify you to enter into heaven. I don't believe in a golden city anyway. I don't believe the scripture supports that. But into the heavenly where God abides... There's no entrance, no ticket. Oh, I got saved. No. No, no, I just, I don't believe, I think that's something that the church has made up. It's in the mystery of Father and of Christ, of Yahweh and Yeshua. There it is in the mystery. And so let me give you a couple of verses here. The Logos of Yeshua, or excuse me, the Logos of Yahweh. Became flesh, Yeshua, and dwelled among us. John 1st chapter, 14th verse. And Yahweh was manifest in the flesh. Not a God, some God, partial God. If you want to believe that, join the Jehovah Witness. They believe that he was a God. I do not believe that Jesus was a God. I believe he was Yahweh manifested in the flesh. Take that according to 1st. 1 Timothy um, 3.16. It says, and God was manifest in the flesh. I'm just going to expand on that this morning. Yahweh was manifest in the flesh. And so let's get that idea. Let's take away the idea of the part of God or second God or person thing. Let's just, let's just go back to the origin of who God calls himself. And Yahweh was manifested in the flesh. I like this one. Yahweh was in Yeshua reconciling the world to himself. See, I took out, it said God was in Christ. I just changed it over so for purposes this morning, the connection, Yahweh was in Yeshua. Everybody say amen. I like how that sounds. Yahweh was in Yeshua. What was he doing? He was reconciling the world to who? To himself. Mm, Beautiful. Beautiful. 
Hebrews, the first chapter, and right at the first, I believe the first verse. In the last days, well, he said, I, you know, Yahweh spoke through the prophets to the fathers in the old time in different ways and dimensions. But in these last days, Yahweh has spoke to us in Yeshua. Oh, it's beautiful. And so the connection here, the mystery here, between Father and Christ, between Yahweh and Yeshua. So, don't let anyone mislead you with persuasive arguments. Let's put it this way. Watch out for anyone trying to change your full faith in Yeshua Jesus. It's going on out there. I mean, religion, religious people are a dime a dozen. New ones are popping up all the time. It, it just almost reminds me of the athletic field. You got these every year, you got a new draft, and you got these guys that are coming up, and they're, they're you know, the new star, and that's what's happening in religion. We're getting the new star, we're getting the newest preachers coming up, but he's preaching the same old slop as the problem, and he's changing people's faith away from Christ to something else. You, know, you need to beware. You need to not let anyone mislead you not me not pastor rodney not anybody in this church if we are leading away from christ you need to get out of here and so how was it done through philosophy and worthless dogmas and religious traditions and earthly reasoning and so i like to do this once in a while and uh, nobody will do it but tweet this Anyone listening to full sermons that do not center on Jesus Christ are being deceived by spiritually derelict con men and or women. You hear a whole message and he's not in it, it wasn't from him. See, he's not playing the game. The church is playing the game. He's not playing the game. He took his game or his piece off of the board, his game piece off the board. He's not playing. It's either about him or it's not. You can't preach a whole message about how to do better on your job and how to be better with your wife and your husband and your children. And at the end of that sermon, say, anyone here want to receive Jesus? They have no idea who he is or what you're talking about. Well, Jesus will make you a better husband, better wife, better, better, better. So just receive him. That is not the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the revelation of the flesh. Philosophy, men's things, men's understanding, worthless dogma, religious tradition, but it's not of Christ. Let me raise it another level. Don't believe them even if they are speaking in tongues. That's how they verify their message. Is they'll say some things and then speak in tongues a bit, say some more things. No, 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 no. No, if you're not talking about Christ, put the tongues away. We don't need tongues void of Christ. Come on, say amen. 
Some of us old Pentecostals, you know, that's a little hard to take because that was the verification of anything that was going on. Just had it the other night, and the good people, you know, but they think that that's the verification of the Word of God is that you get up and speak and say, that is not the verification. The revelation of Jesus Christ is the action of the Word of God. There's no other action of the Word of God outside of the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, the mystery is not about Pentecost. The mystery is not about signs. It's not about wonders. It's, it's a mystery to me sometimes what's going on. But this is not the mystery of God. Everybody okay? Say amen. Just like make sure your neighbor's awake, all right? Okay. Let, let's go on a little bit with this. I'm, I, I have a good time with this. I hope that you do too. So it remains the imperative duty for those men who are called to preach the gospel of Jesus to reveal the mystery to the next generation. It's our duty. See, we're not Quakers. That we don't believe that you should not have a next generation. We believe there's a next generation coming. We've got more. We've got them in the womb around here. But it is our responsibility to train those young people as they begin to grow and, and to reveal to them the mystery of Father and of Christ. I thought about this. When the revelation of Jesus Christ comes forward, and that isn't often in a lot of places, but when it comes forward, it demands a response. I think it's too easy for us. We're, we're so conditioned to church. We're so conditioned to hearing a sermon and just saying, boy, that was good, and go home. And, and uh, you know, it, it's just, that's just how we are. Man, that just, that just really felt nice to me. And, and uh, you know, what are we having for lunch? And, and just go on and don't worry about it. And... Well, I'm going to tell you something. Every spiritual thing starts at the revelation of Jesus Christ. If your spiritual life didn't start there, you don't have a spiritual life in Him. You might have something going. You might have some spirits going. You might even call them a ghost. But if it didn't start in Christ, all spiritual things starts in Christ. No one gets saved without an understanding of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to be really careful here because we just believe it's saying a name. You just say the name. If you can just say the name, raise your hand, repeat his name, say his name, everything's going to be good. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's where conversion is. I believe conversion is in the revelation of Jesus, who he is. Now, that may be on a small level. That may be just an understanding that I'm a sinner and that He's the Savior of all things and that I need a Lord in my life. It may be there. It may even start there. But that's a revelation of who He is. Not some foolish kind of preaching that takes us nowhere and drops us off in Christ. No, that doesn't work. He needs to be revealed so that the human heart can understand who He is so we can make an evaluation of our life. Do we want to serve Him? Do we want to accept Him? Or do we want to turn Him away? And so at the presentation 
of the revelation of Jesus Christ, there is a response in hearts. It's demanded. I believe the scripture would teach us that you cannot be saved. There is no other name by which you can be saved. But there is no other person. There is no way to understand any single spiritual thing. No one comes Proston Yahweh. No one. If not through and in me. I think it's, it bears out in Scripture. Let me give you a couple that unless they understand Jesus, they cannot be saved. Acts the second chapter. They hear him speaking in tongues. They see the manifestation, but that's not going to save them. Peter gets up, and he is going to preach. And what he is going to preach to them is the revelation of who Jesus is. What you didn't know is he's the blessed one. What you didn't know is those that turned him away and rejected him. He is the one that God has made the cornerstone of this thing. And and he begins to preach to them and tell them who Jesus is and show them who Christ is. They cannot be saved unless it is revealed to them. They're Jews. They think they're serving Yahweh. But they don't know who Jesus is. You're not going to get saved if you don't know who Jesus is. Let me go to another one. Cornelius. Cornelius is a good man. He's trying to serve God. He's got alms and he is just a a wonderful man. He's trying to bless people. He's trying as good as he can. He's praying. He just doesn't know who Jesus is. Otherwise, why don't just leave him alone and let him do his thing. He's okay. He's good. He's doing good works and he, and he loves God. No, and the Lord says to Peter, no, you get up and go down there. And the reason why he has to go down there is because he's got to find out who Jesus is. It's not good enough. The alms aren't good enough. The Old Testament isn't working for him. All he's doing is the best he can and saying, God help me. That's, you know, this generic, God help me is not enough. You've got to know who Jesus is. And I love this. And a few Sundays ago we talked about this. And as Peter began to reveal Christ to this, this Cornelius, this centurion and his family and his people, the Spirit of God fell on them. And they all got saved. Can you say Amen. The Ethiopian, he's already been to the feast. He's already doing the Jewish thing. He did his sacrifice and everything. He did did it all. He's on his way home and he's trying to read the Bible, the scripture, and he doesn't understand it. The problem is he can't get saved in the Old Testament. That's his problem. So the Lord sends Philip down there. Do you understand what you read? No, I don't know what this is about. Who's the man here? Let me tell you who the man is. And once he tells him who the man is, then then the heaven is open to him now. He understands that his life needs to be in Christ Jesus, not in the Jewish system. And he accepts the Lord and wants to be baptized in water to show that he's leaving that and he's come into Jesus Christ. Jesus. 
but without a revelation that he didn't know. He didn't know. He couldn't go anywhere. And finally, let me just bring this one. Paul the Apostle who... You talk about a man that was an Old Testament hero. Concerning zeal, nobody had more zeal than me. That's what he said. That's a pretty good brag. The law, I was perfect concerning the law. He's on his way to persecute the followers of Jesus. Is knocked off of his horse. The thing that he says... Who art thou, Lord? See, he knows everything about Judaism. He knows everything about the law. He knows everything about being a, being a, being a, a Pharisee and, and uh, zealous. But he doesn't know who Jesus is. He's going to have to have a revelation of Christ before he's saved. Can you say amen? And so the Lord begins to expound to him who he is. And he then receives that. See, the response of the revelation of Jesus Christ is completely up to the individual. I want everybody here this morning to understand this. It's not about your wife. It's not about your family, your children. It's not even about the church folks around you. But the revelation of Jesus Christ must be answered individually every single time. And there are only two options to answer it with. One of them is to receive it. The other one is to reject it. And I think this is at every level of revelation of the Lord. Every level. Peter said there's revelation being brought. Being brought. Ooh. So during the ministry of the Lord, and I want to just talk about a few of these. During the ministry of Jesus, Yeshua. It, it, this is so perfect. They either receive or reject, right? One of the two. So, in Luke 4, he goes back home to his hometown. And I love this. This is just perfect because it says that, um, that he was glorified by all in Nazareth. Until he got into the synagogue and read the scripture... And told them, this day, it is fulfilled in your ears. Man, things change really quick. There was a revelation of who he was. He shows them in the scripture who he is. When he shows them in the scripture who he is, it changed them completely. They all were glorifying him. Oh, Jesus, you're such a good guy. You've done so many good works. We've heard of all the miracles that you're doing. Oh, isn't it great? And the attendant of the synagogue, I wonder if he got up and said to them, it is so great to have Jesus with us this morning. Would you please come read? But at the revelation of who he is, whew, some things changed. Can you say Amen. Now they're trying to push him over the cliff. And so, at the conclusion of what we've been talking about a little bit, the Beatitudes, at the conclusion in Matthew 8, and great crowds followed him. He got all done with, and some of those are pretty hard. They're, they're little, you know, we talked about that. 
But boy, I'm tell you what, they were stirred up and said great crowds followed him. Not a few, not like, oh, we got 15 or 20 following us, Lord. No, it great crowds, massive crowds of people. We know that at least around 15,000 followed him to eat the fishes and the loaves. Great crowds were following him. But in John 6, he gave the sermon about if you don't eat my flesh and don't drink my blood, there is no life within you. And all of those great crowds, at the revelation of who he is, those great crowds walked away and the scripture said they didn't follow him anymore. They were all done. John 5, the the Jews lusted to kill him, it says, because he called Yahweh his father, making himself equal to Yahweh. Hallelujah. If he's not equal to Yahweh, I don't want to serve him. If he's not the big God, I don't want to serve him. I'm not serving Junior this morning. I'm not serving second place this morning. I'm serving the one whose name is above all names in heaven and in earth is above all power and authority right now this morning. In John 7, the Jews sought to seize him. Much of the crowd believed in him so they couldn't seize him. In John 8, 31, as he spoke, many of the Jews believed on him. But after he revealed, in the same chapter, verse 58, after he revealed, before Abraham was, I am, they picked up stones to kill him. See, you're going to have one Opinion or another. You're either going to receive his revelation or you're going to reject his revelation from your life. It's it's real plain and simple. In John 10, 19, there was a division among the Jews. Some of them said, wow, when Christ is to come, would he do more miracles than this man? Surely this man is of God. Surely. Surely. And others said, oh, no, 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 he can't be, because we know where he's from. Christ is going to come, and we won't know where he's from. So there's great division going on. Some are believing, and some are not believing. But in the 30th verse of John 10, they finally decided, because Jesus said, I and Yahweh are one. Oh, yeah. In fact, the Greek here means to be of one existence. And they knew what that was. And verse 30, they picked up stones to kill him. There may have been a division early. Some of them saying, yeah, this is the Christ. But when he comes out and reveals himself, watch out now. Watch out. Watch out when when the revelation comes. Because you're going to visit that revelation with one answer or another. You're either going to receive him. Or you are going to reject him. So Jesus says, why are you doing this? For what good work? For what good work are you, are you picking up stones? He said, not from your good works, but because of your blasphemy. Because you being a man have made yourself Yahweh. 
Thank God that him being a man made himself, this is the mystery and they are struggling at the mystery. The mystery is Yahweh became flesh and dwelt among us. It's Yahweh with us, Emmanuel. It is Yahweh God, the one that we go all the way back to the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And if we go all the way back there, then we realize, oh, watch out. Jesus is the very bodily expression of that Yahweh God we've been looking for. Malachi said it. Malachi said, and he will suddenly appear, the one whom you have been seeking after. All of these years, he will suddenly appear in his temple. It's a mystery, though. The Jews are struggling. Anybody here struggling this morning? We're almost, well, we're getting through. So hang on. Hang on. Not quite done yet. Verse 42 of the same chapter 10. And many believed into him there. Thank God for that. John 11. John 11. And the Jews, many of the Jews believed in Jesus. 11.45. Many of them believed into Jesus that he really was the resurrection and the life because he walked to Lazarus' grave and he said to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth out of there. And he had told Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Now I'm going to tell you something. I don't care how hard-hearted you are and how religious you are. You go out to the grave site, and there a man's been dead four days. He's laying in that grave. And Jesus calls him out and gives him life. I'm gonna tell, I, it, that's going to be hard not to believe. And so those, another division now. They ran and told the high priest what had happened there. And... Then it says in verse 47 that the chief priests and Pharisees assembled a Sanhedrin and deliberated how they might kill him. And so in John 12, after his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, the Pharisees said, we are gaining nothing. The whole world has gone after him. Oh, I wish that was the case. Can you say amen? I wish the whole world said, I want to know about this Jesus. I, I want a revelation of this Christ. I want to see who he is. I want to know the mystery of God in my life. And of course, we know Matthew 27. The chief priests and the elders, they incited the crowd. said they persuaded the crowd to say, give us Barabbas. And then Pilate stood out and said, what shall I do? With the man called Jesus, who is called the Christ. And they cried, the same crowd, I believe many of them who had formerly been following Jesus, who had formerly worshipped him, but they heard who he was and they did not receive it. Now they will yell, crucify him, crucify him, get rid of him, we don't want to hear it anymore. They fulfilled this, this whole thing said in the, in the first chapter of John. He came to his own, and his own received him not. But I want to go a little further than that this morning. We say he came, but, his, but he came to his own, and his own received him not. This happens generation after generation. The Lord is constantly coming in his revelation to the church. I believe this with all my heart. We're preaching about the second coming and we're waiting for a rapture time and the Lord is knocking on the door of the church every Sunday morning by any preacher who will bring a revelation of Jesus Christ and he's knocking at the door and he's knocking at hearts and, and we're just 
we're just treating him just like the Jews that were there. But then they heard who he was. And they didn't want nothing more to do with him. He's rejected by his own. I think it still goes on. Church folks. Fundamentalist folks. Holiness folks. I'm shocked at what is called holiness in this region. Holiness doesn't mean that you're dedicated to Christ. Holiness means that you do a certain thing or not do a certain thing or wear a certain thing or not wear a certain thing which has absolutely nothing to do with the holiness of God in your life. But Christ, you can hear numbers, and we have been listening, numbers and numbers of sermons, and you'll never hear a revelation about Jesus Christ. And never is something that the heart can warm up to, to know Him, to come, to, come to, to, to reveal something about Him that may change your heart. Oh, no, no, no. It's run around, jump, worship, speak in tongue, do whatever. That's all the mantra of the charismatic movement, nothing about Christ. And believe me, there is no spiritual action in the church outside of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Got a lot of schemes to put crowds together and bring in money. The new church is money-driven, not Christ-driven. It's money-central, not Christ-central. Come on, say amen. You all know it. Just look around. They're begging for money. They're promising you lies. That your loved ones will be healed. And that you will have great success in business. And money will come flowing in. And checks and everything else. Don't you get a kick out of it when they say, Now we're going to do the offering. And they put up on the board. Because I give. I am the head and not the tail. And money is going to be coming into me. And, and chances and opportunities are going to be coming into me. Baloney. That's nothing but baloney. That's give us money is what that's about. The church being money driven and not Christ driven. There is no spiritual work of God. You can get up and run all over the place and be speaking all kinds of babble. That has nothing to do with the revelation of Jesus Christ in the church. Somebody say amen. I'm about to shout and run around this place. Everybody's too quiet this morning. I like this part, though. It said, he came to his own, and his own received him not, but to as many as received him. Now, this is a principal pattern. This wasn't just for them. It goes on into the future. As many as do receive him. Otherwise, we just have an early church and nothing else. We're, we're all nothing. I don't believe that. I believe it's principle. It's a pattern. As many as receive. See, you have the choice to receive or reject. It's your choice individually. It's not your husband's choice. It's your choice. It's not your wife, not your children. To them, he gave the privilege to become Yahweh's children. Whoa, glory. Yahweh's children. Oh, hallelujah. Now, okay, get back to Peter here and we're going to close. Therefore, now listen to me on this. Is, this is really, this is really, uh, let's say, cool. Having taken out the slack in your critical thinking. Now, King James Version said, gird up the loins of your mind. But just another way to say it, because we don't. Does anybody gird up their loins? 
It's an Old Testament thing. They wore baggy stuff and they brought it up, tied it off. It's really hard to run in a robe. You know, you're probably going down. I had to stop Kay from doing the the three-legged races anymore. Too many times on the ground. But if you gird up, and so really what it means is take the slack out. We've got a bunch of slack in our mind about the mystery of God. A lot of slack there. Well, I don't know if I really believe that or not, you know. You're saying, you're saying Yahweh became flesh. I don't really know if I believe. Take it the slack out of your mind, out of your critical thinking, and be sober-minded about it. Then it says, completely set your hope upon the favor being brought to you. The favor being brought to you. Now, Peter is speaking to the church. There is favor and grace being brought to you in the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's talking to the church, not talking to the sinner now. He's talking to church folks who've been sitting there long enough. They're bored to death. They don't know what to do with themselves. They're ready to quit and go to another church because they're not entertained enough. Gird up the loins of your mind. Take the slack out of there and realize who Jesus is because He is bringing you favor by His revelation now and then and then and then as long as you go to the house of God and are searching for the Lord Jesus Christ. He is revealing Himself to those who are hungry and thirsty after righteousness. I've been to church ten times and got nothing. I know it. And the Lord knows it. So gird up the slack that's in your mind. Hey, get single-purposed, right? Can you say amen? Get single-purposed here. In this church, we're going to be single-purposed, and that is the revelation of Christ. Oh, sure, there's a lot of issues to talk about. There's things, you know, we need in classes, and we deal with a lot of different things. Yes, the Scripture does. But in it all, He's got to be central. Like I said before, if it's not in your heart, if the Lord doesn't rearrange and do surgery in your heart, it'll never happen in your life. And He's got to be central in the heart. Can you say amen? So, listen, the doctrine and dogma and tenets of our faith, I get asked about this now that we're here. What kind of a church are you? Are you with a denomination? What, What do you teach? What do you preach? Somebody asked me just the other day who was my mentor. I, I just, I was, you know, kind of, like, like the scripture said, and Jesus groaned within himself. I was just like, oh, man. Don't ask me that. Who is your mentor? I'm going to tell you who my mentor is. I've only got one hero. I've got one that I look forward to becoming like. And it's not one of these big time preachers. No, no. It's the one who is the, the answer to the mystery of everything that God is. You want to see God? Jesus said it in, in John 14. You want to see Father? You want to see Yahweh? Look at me. When you see me, you have seen Yahweh God. So when I want to see, can you say amen, church? And so, you know, what do you believe? What is your dogma? What is your doctrine? What is your tenet of your faith? Who are you connected with? Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is Lord. Can you say that with me? Jesus is Lord. That's what we're saying with. That's what we're going to teach. That's what we're going to preach. And He alone 
needs to be made manifest, apparent in our body. That's what we're after. That's what we're after. If you don't like that, you've got to go somewhere else because that's what we're doing. If he is the author and the finisher of everything we're doing, then I'm just going to respect it that way and believe it that way. He is great, mighty Yahweh God. Hallelujah. If you know him this morning, this is rang true in your heart. If you know him, you're saying yes. That's right. That's absolutely right. Any revelation of Christ to me is beautiful. Man, I'll listen. I'll listen to people preach. They're not preaching, teaching Christ. Ah, I don't, I don't got much to do with that. It's not going to help me too much. But if they say something that catches my interest, Kay knows this, and I'll just, I'll just be listening. I'll see what they've got. What they got? What are you going to tell me about Jesus? What is it? Maybe you know a little something. Maybe you have a little bit of a revelation that I haven't quite understood yet. And so I'm ever looking for the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Can church say amen? It's what we do. It's who we are. Followers of our Lord and Savior. Would you stand with us this morning? God, we pray this morning, our Yahweh, our God, our wonderful Lord. We pray this morning that it is fell in good soil. That it just shores up. I'm, I'm praying that we just shore up our faith this morning. And, and Peter wrote, he, he said, don't, don't let the outside, don't, don't let them change you. Paul wrote and said, don't, don't let them change you by their philosophies, by, by all the things that they're teaching and preaching. No, we're not going there. We're staying rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Give us a revelation. Give us freshness and newness in you constantly. And we'll thank you for it, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you.